Good morning, church family. We're happy that you're with us today. So let's get things started in three, two, one, go. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. We're so glad you've joined us today. We're going to play a song that we played back in my house. Remember we had the gold stuff behind you? It was beautiful. Where, where'd, you, where'd you put it? You didn't bring it with you? I, it's now in my house. <laughs> you just keep it in your house? Yeah. Perfect. We encourage you guys to sing along with us this morning. There's beauty in my brokenness But I've got true love instead of pain There's freedom though you captured me I've got joy instead of more But There's beauty in my brokenness But I've got true love instead of pain There's freedom though you captured me But I've got joy instead of more You give me joy down deep in my soul down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, you give me joy. Down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. There's beauty in my brokenness, but I've got true love instead of there's freedom though you've captured me but i've got joy instead of more but there's beauty in my brokenness but i've got true love instead of pain there's freedom though you've captured me but i've got joy instead of more you give me joy down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. You give me joy down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. Never been so free, caught in your love for me. Never been more secure knowing your heart, Lord. I've never been so free, caught in your love for me. I've never been more secure knowing your heart, Lord. I've never been so free, caught in your love for me. I've never been more secure knowing that you give me joy down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, you give me joy. Down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, you give me joy. Down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. Good morning, 
C3 family, our call to worship today is found in Luke, the fourth chapter, 14th through the 30th verses. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you that there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Let us pray. Almighty God, every good and perfect gift comes from you. Fill our hearts with love for you and increase our faith by your constant love and care. Protect the good that you have given us. Now surprise us today, O oh God, by revealing yourself more completely to us so that we can follow you better. Amen. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my father, not my mother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my father, not my mother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Cause it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not 
Not my sister, not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Not my sister, not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Not the preacher, not the deacon, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Not the preacher, not the deacon, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Not my father, not my mother, but it's me, oh Lord. But standing in the need of prayer. Not my father, not my mother, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. But it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Cause it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. And I'm standing in the need of prayer. And I'm standing in the need of prayer. Standing in the need of prayer. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to Christ Community Church. We are glad that you could be with us today. We are. Uh, hooray. Thank you for being here. Uh, guys, thank you for... Um, the wonderful worship. Those, we are, those are great songs. Yes, and they're just a blessing. Yeah. They're just a blessing. Yeah. Um, let, let me pray for us as we start. Great. Oh, Lord Jesus, we bless you this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness. We ask you to please speak to us in our deepest, uh, the deepest parts of our hearts, uh, the parts that are so scary for us to even really consider, much less reveal to you or anyone else. But that's where we need your light and your love, your healing, your restoration, and your grace the most. So please, uh, do something fresh and real and powerful in our lives. We pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, one of those songs is that the, that the guy is saying is exactly the topic of your talk today. Yes. Of what we're going to talk about today. Yes. That song, it's an, it's an old a spiritual him, old hymn, yes, yeah. Yes. Um, you'll remember, you just heard it. It's me, oh Lord. It's me, it's me. Standing in the need of prayer. Yes. Not somebody else. Yes. That's the hard part, isn't it? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> Not right. my brother, yeah. not my sister, <laughs> not my mother, not my father. Or my wife. Or my husband. <laughs> yes. But it's me, Yes. oh Lord. Yes. Standing in the need of prayer. Well, that's sort of the direction that we want the... The lesson to go today. Yeah. Um, I've just been thinking recently, maybe just because of all that's been going on in our world, but just uh, really speaking to myself, do I realize and do I take seriously God's uh, passionate desire to speak to me and help me with my sin, my need? my problems, my issues. Do I, do I take that seriously, that God loves me enough to even want to focus on those things? And do I take it seriously enough to realize that He is focusing on that? Am I willing to join Him, I guess is what I'm saying, in that focus? And uh, the reason I say that and the reason I ask myself that is because in, you know, in our culture, it seems like 
we are so consumed with other people's faults, other people's uh, failures, other people's problems, and we are so blind to our own faults and weaknesses and failures or just unwilling to even consider them or at yeah. least discuss them or you admit them. You can dismiss your own flaws and sins and faults if we're so actively pursuing others and exposing others and Yes. You know what I mean? It's just, it gives us something to do Uh, (laughs) other than view our own. Well, yes, (laughs) that's exactly right. You know? We're so quick to blame somebody else for the problems in our world and in our life. Uh, We see it in Washington every day. Uh, The Republicans blaming the Democrats, the Democrats blaming the Republicans, um, we, in our racial struggles as a society, um, it's the, you know, if, if the black people would just get their stuff together, everything would be fine. If the white people would just get their stuff together, everything would be fine. It's somebody else's fault. Uh, our societal problems, our cultural problems, uh, our international problems as a nation. How quickly we blame the Chinese or the Russians or those in the Middle East or Whoever, rather than taking an honest look at our own culpability, our own responsibility, our own faults and failures, the things that we do that contribute to the, to the failings that we experience as a nation. We do it with our economic situations, yeah. uh, and, and uh, we do it with our families. You know, uh, if we have marital problems, it's your fault. If we have a family problem, it's the kids' fault. If we have educational problems, it's the teacher's fault. And they just say, well, if the parents, you know, it just goes on and on and yeah. on. But it's, we're so passionate about focusing on the responsibility and the fault of others uh, as it relates to the problems in our lives and in our world. And we seem to be very hesitant to focus on our contribution to those things. Um, Do I realize, I ask myself again, do I realize that God is focused on my, what I want to say is crap, but I won't say that. that. Uh, Do I realize that God is focused on my mess, the mess in my life, the mess that I've made of my life. He is as focused on my mess as he is anybody else's mess in the world. Um, I had a couple that came to see me just last week. And, uh, you know, they were sitting on my little couch in there, and I was talking to the husband about all the things that he needed to change, the things that he'd done wrong, the things that, uh, that needed to be changed or improved, um, And Buddy, his wife, was sitting right there, and she was nodding and smiling and saying, amen, amen, you know, and all that. And then we got to a point where I said, okay, ma'am, let's talk about your contribution to these problems and the things that you are doing wrong and the things that you need to change. And, Shirley, it it happens all the time. She looked at me like I took a cup of ice water and threw it right in her face. What? Wait, wait, you mean, you mean... You're going to talk about my problems, my contribution. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) it happens often. Um, I teach every week, several times a week, and um, rare is the week that I don't finish and somebody either 
in person or via text or email doesn't communicate to me, man, that was a great lesson. So, man, that was great. I wish my brother could have heard that. I wish my mom could have heard that. Send I me wish, the notes so I can send, send it to somebody. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Send me the notes so that I can send that to my sister. Uh, and very often, if I know them very well, the, I don't say it, but the thought runs through my mind. My goodness, do you not realize that I was talking to you? I mean, you're the one that needs to hear that every bit as much as your sister or your brother or your mom or your daughter. Uh, and yet, people are so quick to see how that truth would help others yeah. <laughs> much more quickly than they are able to see how that could really apply to them. It is easy to read the Bible and to begin thinking of people in your life who <laughs> that applies to. People that are, that's, they're guilty of that. They need to change that. Which the um, entire experience of reading the Bible is to be inward. <laughs> you um, know? Yeah. God does not speak to us. I mean, and I really believe this. Um, most of the time, maybe not, I can't say always, but most of the time, God is not speaking to us about other people. He is wanting to speak to us about our own lives. And yet... Uh, the first place I go, I'm just speaking honestly, but the first place I go as I read passages of Scripture or think about lessons as I'm putting together, I'm thinking about other people, Justin and Chris and Zach uh, and Derek and, and Sean. And that, boy, if they just would apply this to their life, man, what a better world we would live in. And yet the person that uh, probably needs to apply it to their life the most is me. Well, and to your point, they're probably sitting there in the back going, yeah, Larry, I hope you're listening <laughs> to your exa- own That's exactly own right. Words. Or how can just, you say that? This is the way it um, works. Well, we're in good company. Now, to, just to be honest, biblically, we're in good company when we do that because the Bible is filled with people uh, uh, that were very quick to identify sin and wrong in others and very either blind or hesitant to identify it in themselves. Let me give yeah. you some examples, yeah. Shirley. And you might even be thinking of a couple of examples. Um, I just I was reading just the other day about Judah. He's one of the sons of Jacob, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, Judah. Actually, the tribe that Jesus ultimately came from. And uh, his daughter-in-law, who is now a widow, Judah's son died, and his daughter-in-law gets pregnant out of wedlock. And he That's flies a into a... It's a problem in that That's day. He flies into a rage, and literally he tells the people around him, she needs to be burned at the stake. Not reprimanded, burned at the stake. And uh, too long, I don't have enough time to go into the story, but the end of the story is he realizes uh, through her confrontation that the man that... The father of this baby was him. That he thought she was a prostitute and had hired her to be friends with him. And she wound up getting pregnant. But he was as guilty as she was. And yet he was so quick to judge and condemn her and and was completely blind to the fact he'd been out hanging out with prostitutes. Or at least women that he thought was a prostitute. Um, I think of Moses. Uh, I think it's in Exodus 4. Um 
Uh, God, you know, calls Moses to go down to Egypt and denounce Pharaoh for all his wrong and all of it, you know, rebellion and wickedness and all that. Moses finally agrees, and he starts heading down there. And lo and behold, on the journey from Mount Sinai to Egypt to, to denounce another man for his evil and wrongness, uh, Moses meets an angel. Angel draws his sword, and he's about to kill Moses, about to cut his head off. And you might think, well, what's that about? Well, the problem was Moses was going down to Egypt to denounce somebody for the wickedness and their rebellion and the disobedience in their life. Moses had not even circumcised his own son. The very thing that God had told Abraham, the sign of the covenant relationship between your family and me is that you circumcise every one of your sons. And Moses had not even circumcised his own son. He's going down to denounce another man for doing wrong when, and he's taking his own son down there that didn't circumcise him yet. So you see the, the idea here. David, one of the most famous examples, David hears this story uh, from this prophet about this poor man who has this little lamb. Uh, it's a pet lamb. It's the only thing he's got in the world of many values, this little lamb. Neighbor, rich man, got lots of lambs, uh, wants to throw a party. He needs a lamb. He doesn't want to take one of his many lambs. So he takes this poor man's lamb uh, and, and, and serves it at the party, David flies into a rage. Um, that guy needs to be killed. And the prophet goes, David, uh, you're the rich man. It's you. It's you, sir. Again, over and over and over again, the Bible gives us these reminders of how easy it is to focus on other people's sin and to be completely blind to the wickedness in our own lives. Um, I want, there's so many examples. Uh, Jesus goes to his hometown of uh, Nazareth and uh, 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 preaches this sermon, and the town is just raving about how wonderful he is. I think um, Brenda just read this passage earlier in their service uh, from Luke 4, and the town is raving about the hometown boys made good. He's popular. Crowds are thronging to see him, and they love him, and they're, you know, praising the Lord and all this stuff. And Jesus goes into this, uh, this sermon. He says that I came to help the poor, to minister to those that are in prison, to the blind and the, to the oppressed. And all of a sudden, the crowd realizes that who Jesus is, Jesus isn't talking about other people in need. He's talking to them and saying, you're the ones that are blind. You're the ones that are imprisoned. You're the ones uh, that are poor. And it, inf it infuriated them to the point that they stopped praising him and prepared to stone him. Again, <laughs> I don't want to consider my own need, my own sin, my own evil. I you see the point. Um I was thinking about that, or you and I were talking about that story in Matthew 7. I think it's Matthew 7 about the, the speck and the plank. Yeah, that, that story used to, you remember that one where uh, we're instructed to, you know, somebody's got a speck in his eye, to, but you take the, take the plank out of your own eye yes. before you look at the speck yes. in somebody else's eye. And that, used, that story used to make me laugh because that, just the imagery of that you know, if you, if you took that literally, the imagery of somebody with this big, huge log in their eye and, and this little bitty speck, and it was, you know, almost ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I got to thinking about that, and let's just go with the story. If you pull that log, 
out of your own eye, then what perhaps, with the, with the humility that it would take to admit that that's there, perhaps what you then realize is what's in your neighbor's eye really is just a speck. It, it's, it's just not even a big deal. No, yeah. it's not yeah. a big deal. Yes. It's not a big deal. Yes. That, that realization requires the humility of saying, well, let me deal with mine and then. And by the time you're through, right, by the time you're through dealing with yourself, what you don't have the time or the say? energy yeah. or even the interest in dealing with somebody else's spec. That's, yeah. that's yeah. exactly right. Um, and then I thought of Matthew 21, where Jesus is speaking again to this crowd. The religious leaders are in the back, and Jesus is talking about how there's this fig tree that has been tended to and cared for and given all these blessings, and the owner comes. Uh, to enjoy some of its fruit, and there's no fruit. And I can see the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious leaders going, that's right, these rabble, these poor people, all these masses in the crowd, they're ungrateful, they don't give back to God. And then he goes on and tells all these examples of these two sons where the the dad uh, has poured into these sons and blessed them, and he gives them a job to do. And they say, yeah, we'll go, Dad. But then they don't go. And then again, uh, uh, he tells it goes on and tells the parable of the the workers, and they've been given these great jobs on this big farm, and the owner has blessed them with responsibility and reward, and yet when the owner comes for his share of the harvest, the workers go, uh, not only are we not going to give you anything, but we're going to kill your son. Um, the point in all those examples where the Bible says is that at some point the Pharisees and the Sadducees realized they're the fig tree mm-hmm. that has no fruit. Mm-hmm. They're the sons that said, I, I won't, uh, I, yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll do anything for you, God, but then they don't. They're the ones that um, uh, had been given all these blessings but would not give back to God anything. And it, the Bible says that it infuriated them when they realized that Jesus was talking to them. Yeah. Um, the woman caught in adultery. Yes, you know, exactly. I remember her, um, yes. you know, thrown down, caught in her sin. Yes. And Jesus just very clearly says, okay, you're right. But whoever, I mean, it's just perfect. Whoever is without sin may throw the first stone. I mean, yes. they brought can't that even lady. add anything to that. It's, yeah, it's I mean, exactly he, right. They bring a lady who was wrong, who had sin in her life. To Jesus, and Jesus says only he can. He turns the whole thing around and says, guys, you're just as bad as she is, probably worse. Probably, let's talk about your sin. Let's focus on, no, no, no. We're not, we can't focus on our sin. We're too busy focusing on the sin in this lady's yeah. life. Um, we can hide behind that. Yes. Is it possible? Is it possible? For us, for me, to be so blind to some pretty big sins in my life that God is focused on and would like for me to focus on with Him. I guess that's the question that I'm asking myself and and all of us today. Is it possible that there could be, I don't mean little old piddly things, I mean some serious things that we are unwilling to join God in focusing on in our lives. And I just wanted to give you, um, I think that's easy to do. I think it's a danger for all of us, starting with me. And I just wanted to give us three examples. 
These are not all inclusive. These are not necessarily the, the, the best examples, but it's where my mind went on some things that it's easy to just be blind to. They're real and active and powerful and destructive in my life, but I'm just oblivious to them. And one of the reasons I'm oblivious to them is that I'm so focused on other people's sin. Let me give them to you real quickly. Um, one of them is the, in the area of unforgiveness. We as Christians, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you understand how big a deal it is that we forgive one another. Um, Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, you know, um, Father, for, forgive us as we forgive others. Paul says that we ought to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. Um, in, uh, uh, I think it's Matthew 11 or Mark 11, 1, Jesus says, um, forgive so that you can be forgiven. Um, it's a big deal. And everybody, every Christian knows that it's a big deal. And yet I just wonder how many of us, starting with me, just pretend that we're living a life of forgiveness. We operate in a place where we create the appearance that we've forgiven, but our lives are filled with unforgiveness. I think of the uh, unforgiving servant, you know, the, the, the parable of the unforgiving servant, yeah. and how he's walking out of the palace where he has just been forgiven, sees the man who owes him just a few dollars, and he immediately launches into him with, with, with rants and raves and anger and demands, uh, and ultimately has or tries to have the man thrown into jail um, after being forgiven. I, I don't know that he really even would be aware of what a grievous uh, uh, sin that was the king was so grieved the servants were so grieved but I don't I think he was blind to that or the or the older brother in the uh, parable of the prodigal son you know if you'd have gone out and asked that older brother who was working in the fields diligently and faithfully you know you got a problem with uh, forgiving oh no no I don't have a problem and yet he was filled with bitterness and and anger and and unforgiveness he, he was filled with these things and the impact that that must have had on his dad and yet and I think his dad his dad goes out into the fields to talk to him to help him focus on the very yeah. relational destruction that's going on in his life but the older brother couldn't see it wouldn't wouldn't hear of it uh, that's my very point um I think another area where we are, it's easy to be blind to our sin is with our, our words or with our mouths. Um, you know, we can, we can pretend all day long, but at the end of the day, you know, we as Christians, we lie, we gossip, we slander. Uh, more often, how guilty are we? How often are we guilty of just complaining and grumbling? Um, how often do we speak words that are faithless. We, we speak about situations and we speak about people as if God is this little tiny pipsqueak God who really can't do much. Sure, he, you know, he's in charge of sunrises and sunsets and ocean tides and mm -hmm. rain and those kind of things. But changing the lives and the circumstances and the problems in the lives of people, um, that, 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 that'll never happen. He'll never change. That'll never get better. 
That can never improve. That you see what I'm saying? Yeah, there's a certain <laughs> level of real faithlessness there, isn't it? That yes. Anything regarding God would be like never. That's never going to happen. And just like, like I would know that. I would know that better than even God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and that's why Jesus says in Matthew 15, He says, "It's not what we put in our bio, in our bodies. It's not the tobacco. It's not the marijuana. It's not the booze. It's not the things we put in our bodies that destroy our hearts." It's what comes out of our mouths. We're so focused on these other yeah. things and so hesitant to focus on that which will destroy our hearts and souls. That's why Jesus, or David says in Psalm 34, people who want to live lives of love and abundance and satisfaction must avoid words of evil and deceit. And then James says, with our mouths, we burn people, we poison people, we corrupt people, we divide people, and we literally curse the very ones that are made in the image of God. And then the the last example that I would use, and that's in the area of generosity, Um. You know, I think it's very significant that twice, once in uh, Matthew and once in Mark, Jesus two different times tells people that if you want to inherit eternal life, you need to go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Now, I think Jesus is using a bombastic way of communicating to, com- to, to, to make a point. And while I do think it's exaggerated, uh, the, what Jesus, he, the point is still, this is such a big deal, don't miss it. Do you realize how important generosity is? Helping those that have not been blessed as much as you have been. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 10, you have freely received God's blessings. You must freely give to those in need. Even then, Generosity is difficult because we want to be able to judge what they do, the recipients do with the, the generous gift. Judge who deserves it and who doesn't. Yeah. And then judge how it's used, how's, how it's used mm-hmm. rather than judging how tightly am I clinging to that which I've been given. Yeah. Well, again, the fo- is the focus on the, 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 the wisdom of how they're using it or is the judgment being focused on how quick I am to give? Micah said, the prophet says, what does God require, O man? He requires that you love justice and mercy and humility. What does God require? Notice he doesn't say, what does God encourage you to do? It's a requirement. And the thing that he requires us to do is to love justice. This is not 100% true. There are some examples where this isn't true. But I'll bet 95% of the time when the Bible talks about justice, either right before it or right after it, the context of biblical justice almost always has to do with helping the less fortunate. That's God's definition of justice. Those that have and can should share with those who don't have and who can't. 
Uh, that's such a big deal. It's not just, generosity is not just something you do because you want to. You ought to do it and I ought to do it because it's, it's what we understand as an obligation as a child of God. Um, I want you to end today just with reading that passage out of James, please. James chapter 5, the first six verses. Sure. Please. James 5. This is what James says about generosity and helping those in need. He says, look here, rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver have become worthless. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This treasure you have accumulated will stand as evidence against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. Mm -hmm. The wages you held back cry out against you. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who did not resist you. Mm. Pretty serious words yeah. that James is challenging us to consider. Notice there's not a word in there on how the poor people use that which they receive. Yeah. Not a word about their, their responsibility. The responsibility is upon those that have to be a source of blessing to those who have not. And I just think it's so easy for us. You know, we pay our taxes, we obey the law, we throw a few bucks in the plate at church, and we think we've covered all our bases. And yet there is no message that runs through the Scripture that is more powerful or consistent than the message that God speaks into our lives. I have blessed you beyond your wildest dreams. I want you to use that to be a source of blessing to those that are in real need. I think that um, it is easy to focus on other people's sin and to be very blind to our struggles with unforgiveness, our struggles with how we speak to other people, uh, or how we speak around other people, and then how we use the, the blessings and the wealth that God has poured out upon us. There are many, many other examples. Those are three that I personally feel like God is wanting to challenge me to consider. Um, David says in Psalm 139, Search me, O Lord, and try my heart. Show me any wicked way in my life. Am I brave enough on a regular basis to ask God to show me where are these blind spots? Where are these areas in my life that He's focused on and He is wanting me to focus on so that I can be healed, so that I can be cleansed, so that my life can be different and be a source of blessing to those that I love and care about and want to bless. Yeah. Okay, we've talked enough. That was good. I think that's a hard word, but sometimes a hard word is a good word, right? Yeah. Um, we're going to take the Lord's Supper, and I want to give you some bread, and I'm going to give you that juice. And uh, really what I want to do is just, obviously this represents the body of our Savior and that represents His blood and what He did for us on the cross when He sacrificed His life so that we could experience life. But really I'm eating this today and drinking this today just as a, a cry 
for God to do something in my life. That as this bread and wine enter my body and go down into my stomach, I want the Spirit of God to enter my life in a fresh way and impact me. Not you. Not others. I want God to impact me and change me and help me because I'm the one in need of prayer as the song. That's exactly right. So, So let's see. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your loving reminder that you are focused on the things in our lives that are robbing us of life, abundant life, eternal life, real life. Please help us to be bold enough and humble enough to join you in that focus and that ministry of reconciliation and forgiveness and healing, not in the lives of others, but in our own lives. Please let it be so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. Have a great week. Have a great week. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress. You are my portion. You are my hiding place. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. And I believe through every blessing, through every promise, through every breath I take, I believe that you are provider, oh, you are protector, you are the one I love. And I believe you are the way, the truth. The life, and I believe you are the way, the truth, the life, and I believe you are. It's a new horizon. And I'm set on you, and you meet me here today with mercies that are new, Lord. All my fears and doubts, they can all come to, because they can't stay long when I'm here with you, oh. It's a new horizon, and I'm set on you, and you meet me here today with mercies that are new, Lord. All my fears and doubts here, they can all come to Because they can't stay long When I believe you are the way, the truth, the life And I believe you are
Thanks again for coming this week. We'll see you next week. YouTube live, Facebook live, and what else? Yeah? Okay. You got anything? Live live. Live live. Bring your, your skirt thing next week. Whatever that is. The golden. You know what I'm talking about? Bring my golden skirt next week. Bring your golden skirt next week. Done done. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.